It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning, midst, midst, amidst bowl season. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, we still got a ways to go before Michigan State and Pitt kick off in the Peach Bowl, but there are plenty of bowl games on uh, to update everybody on the bowl pick that we did, the Standing Room Spartans bowl pick I am doing just terrible uh to, to update the people who are curious there our leader marshall j93 our boy marshall hart up there at seven and two off to a really good start they're in the 99.9th percentile of all entries in on espn so shout out to marshall and shout out to everybody in the bull pick'em. we appreciate you guys joining us and uh, Scott, it's it's Sunday afternoon here as we're recording. The Lions are just wrapping up their second win of the season. How are we doing? Well, doing good. Watch the Lions win. Uh, sorry if you can hear the standing room dog clucking like a chicken in the background. He's uh, He thinks he's a guard dog. He's a toy dog, but he thinks he's a guard dog, so he's playing that little charade. Um, yeah, my fantasy team is trying to hold on not doing a good job, but trying, you know, and that's all you can ask as a coach. Um, and we're waiting, biding our time. We're into bowl season now. Like you said, I am crushing you so far in the uh, standing room Spartans bowl pick I'm at six and three in second place. And you're somewhere in the dungeons there. Um, yeah. I'm in the, the 20th season. percentile. <laughs> Plenty I of took room. I took some chances that. early. None of them are paying off for me. So we'll, we'll climb back into this turn one. It around. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than just being very desperate for football, realizing there's only one game left, which is always just so sad, right? You just wait and wait. And then you get your one three hour, you know, sitting with a little bit more MSU football. And then you've got to face the prospect of, I don't even, I can't even count the months, eight months, nine months to just sit there and wait. So we'll be doing it together though, you know, holding it down the whole off season, thinking of things to talk about, keeping the folks updated. But today I'm doing well, the Lions won, which at this point is just kind of funnier than anything, but um, yeah, excited to, uh, to get to it. Yeah. The Lions are always funny this time of year because you know, you have the fans who are actively cheering for them to lose to get better draft picks. You have the fans who are angry at those fans because, you know, you should always root for your team to win no matter what. And then you have the people in the middle, like both of us, who are just kind of laughing at this point because it's it's just Lions football. If if you still feel passionate about it one way or another at this point, man, that's that's on you. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. They're going to find a way to disappoint you. If if you're looking for them to lose a game to secure draft position, they'll either disappoint you by, by winning the game or they'll disappoint you because they'll draft the wrong player. If you're invested on them winning, well, obviously they're going to disappoint you because they never win. So that's the lines that we signed up for, um, or I guess we were born into one way or the other. That's that's our team, I guess, ride or die one way or another. Um yeah, there's a lesson in everything, and the lesson in the Lions is don't take anything too seriously. Because <laughs> if you take the Lions too seriously, well, you're going to be in a bad place. So they did win today, which was funny because I actually tuned in a little bit um, because the Cardinals, obviously up and coming. I love watching Kyla Murray play. They're one of my favorite 
teams lately um just in a very casual sense just to watch and i was like okay cool i'll watch i'll watch the cardinals beat up on the lions you know have some fun watch some good football for once and what do we get we get this trashy lions team making the cardinals look like football is hard to play and uh of course like you said they'll always find a way to disappoint yep they're they're champions for uh, what 70 years running on that so if there's one thing we can count on in life there it is. And, uh, you know, with that, there is plenty of NFL action still to go here. If you're in fantasy football playoffs, if you are out of your fantasy football playoffs and you're just kind of looking for some NFL, some football to watch, DraftKings, the place to be, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, you have a special promotion from the folks at the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Here this week, you will be a winner once a single point is scored in the game of your choosing. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score a point can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If the sports book isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Scott, we got a couple things we're going to get to here with Michigan State this uh, episode. And first and foremost is a huge topic that we have not really gotten the chance to hit on yet. Um this was something that from the Pittsburgh side has been kind of um, expected here for a while now. And from the Michigan state side, it was something that we were just kind of holding our breath, waiting to see. And it is now official. So from the Pittsburgh side, quarterback Kenny Pickett has announced that he will skip the peach bowl and declare for the NFL draft and begin his preparations. And from our side, Kenneth Walker, uh, in his tribute to Spartan Nation, he said, it has been a true honor to represent Michigan State University and wear the green and white. I am beyond grateful to Coach Tucker and the entire staff for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to shine under their leadership. As the regular season has come to a close, I would like to announce that I have decided to forego playing in the Peach Bowl to begin preparation for the NFL draft. I would like to thank God, my family, teammates, Fans and all the coaches for over the years for helping me become the player man I am today. I will forever be a Spartan dog. Hashtag SD4L. And that was kind of the announcement a lot of people were holding their breath for. I have some thoughts on this, but I want to kick it to you first. We'll start with just kind of the general topic here, and that is, I guess, players sitting out bowl games. Players sitting out New Year's Six bowl games now. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And then we'll get to kind of the specifics with Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker and how it impacts this game, which we will preview next week. Um, but but here today, yeah, we wanted to spend some time on this because it's such a big topic. So general thoughts here about, you know, these opt-out decisions. Well, there's conflicting narratives here. One being the, the I guess, the traditional the team is greater than the player and you should see things through. You should be loyal. You should be there for your brothers, et cetera. And the other is um, this is a business decision. This is a business, especially for the folks that are trying to get drafted and go to the, the next level. And we've seen injuries that have pretty much derailed plans for NFL careers, or at least hindered their ability to get their NFL career going. And it's very easy sitting in your recliner, drinking your Mountain Dew, having that 17th wing of the afternoon to throw that chicken bone at your TV and say, how can these guys bail on the game? I want a good game. This makes the game worse. 
outside of four games, outside of four bowl games and a national championship, we are watching postseason exhibition games where these players don't get paid. It has very little meaning to the results of your season. I know there's some people who would argue with that, but realistically, a lot of folks are looking at your regular season performance a whole lot more than that one game at the end against an opponent that could be a whole lot better or a whole lot worse than you. And it doesn't really show you a lot. And I, I think it's a great decision for guys who have millions of dollars on the line to do what's best for them to, to maximize their potential. And as a fan, it absolutely stinks. My stance is that you don't have to hate the kids for it and you don't have to love every aspect of kids doing it. As a fan, I'm bummed. Of course, I want to see Kenneth Walker play in the Peach Bowl. It gives us a better chance to win. He's one of the most fun Spartans I've ever seen on a football field. And it's just fun to have all your players playing. But as a human who's rooting for Kenneth Walker to have a great career and rooting for these guys to, to be successful, of course I can't blame them. And I don't mind the competition level of exhibition postseason games being a little bit lower if that means some young men get the opportunity, guarantee their opportunity to have a successful professional career and achieve the goal they've been fighting for long before they ever got to your college team. That's the other thing here. Kenneth Walker wanted to play in the NFL since probably he was five years old. And yes, once he became a Spartan, he wanted to bring success to the Spartans. But which goal is more important? I'm sorry if you think the team goals are more important Kenneth Walker has been working at that goal for 15 years. He is on the cusp. He should do what it takes to guarantee he gets his opportunity at the next level. Yeah. So there's a few things that go in here and, and one, it was just kind of funny for me because a lot of times, like we hear about um, the, like the unnamed fan and people are saying, well, people are saying this and I'm like, you know, I don't really see it. Um, And one of those things is like, people getting mad at players for opting out. I'm like, yeah, do people really get mad about that anymore? Like, I don't really know. And it, I have seen it. And, and one example, I won't give any names here, uh, but there's somebody that I went to Michigan state with uh, Scott. I, I don't think, you know, this person uh, he's somebody who's a little bit older than us and somebody I used to, uh, how do I put this delicately, uh, procure some plants from, and this gentleman had this to say, uh, and I quote, and just like that, I am no longer a fan. I'm no longer a Kenneth Walker fan way to abandon your team. Good riddance. And I'm like, like real people believe that. Like, this is somebody that I knew, like, I didn't know him that well. And we weren't like good friends, but I'm like, that's a real person who graduated from Michigan state and, and has that take. So like those people are out there and it's, it, it is really surprising to me. But um, so I, I was thinking about this for a long time. And one of the funny things that I kind of came across was a general hypocrisy that I think is, is kind of funny because it's something that isn't really talked about a whole lot. So and, and I've, I've been guilty of this as well. I, I think most of you listening, if you think honestly, you, you kind of have this hypocrisy somewhere in you as well. So I would say, you know, average Joe college football fan, let's say, let's name him Bill in Portland, Oregon, has nothing to do with Michigan State or Pittsburgh, just loves college football. He's planning on tuning in for the Peach Bowl. So he would agree with most college football fans and saying, you know what, this is a problem. The two best players in on the field in this game are not playing, right? That's, that's problem. Number one, the best players are not playing. And especially in a situation where it's like a new year's six bowl here that we're talking about. Right. And number two is average Joe college football fan out in Portland, Oregon, also, like you mentioned, accepts that, you know what, hey, uh, you know, good for this kid making his decision to, to go early. These games are meaningless anyway. And what's the point in, you know, putting yourself through another game, uh, especially as a running back when you have millions of dollars on the line? I, I think as a general rule, I don't want to say it's much more than 50%, but 
50 or more percent of college football fans would fall into both of those buckets that say, yeah, it sucks. These guys aren't playing. And also that, yeah, it is kind of a problem that, um, that these guys aren't playing. And also that, you know, I understand their decision and, and I even support their decision to not play in this game. And that same college football fan has the solution of, you know what we need to do? We need to expand the playoff in order to make sure that these guys play. So, because, you know, there's a championship on the line now, this game isn't meaningless anymore. And I just, I was thinking about it. It's just kind of funny. It's like, well, well, which is it that you care about their health or, and, and you know, they're securing their NFL future or that you just want to see them play one way or another, because like, you know, I, I've, I don't want to make this like a playoff conversation, but I don't need to see Michigan state this year competing for a national championship. And maybe that makes me like a, a bad fan or something, but like we saw this team against a potential national championship contender in Ohio state. And I'm like, I, I don't need to see that again. Like, yeah, we beat Michigan and, and they're in the playoff and that's great, but I don't really need to see us go up against elite teams this year. Cause this isn't a national championship team. And I know that. And so it's just kind of funny that like, okay, what we're going to do because Kenneth Walker's not playing in this game, let's basically force him to play by making it like a quarterfinal game or whatever it would be. I just thought found that uh, hilarious, but um, no. So, so Kenneth Walker sitting out, Scott, does it make any difference from you for you that the difference between these two guys, Kenneth Walker being a running back, Kenny Pickett being a quarterback. Does that matter for you at all or no? I think, I don't think it's the top of the, you know, I don't think the position is the top of the criteria list. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially for running backs to consider sitting out to avoid injuries because they have such a high risk of injury and such a short shelf life at the next level. Um, From a quarterback's perspective, I think it comes more down to film against good teams. You know, if you're playing in the SEC, playing, great defenses every week or the big 10 playing great defenses every week. And you've got plenty of film against good teams and you're confident in that you don't have as much incentive as somebody who's maybe playing in a group of five game going up against a power five, good defense. And you want to put, you know, an extra game of film up there against, but I think running backs, especially it makes a lot of sense to consider that more than quarterbacks. Um, that said, I think it's still, it's a very, very personal decision um, for anyone trying to weigh the pros and cons. And it certainly above all else just comes down to personal, what you value as a, as a player, Jake, Butt actually put together a pretty good uh, Twitter thread. If you want to go back and check it out about basically he chose to play in his bowl game. He has one of the infamous injuries. He blew out his knee in a bowl game. And I think was he a senior or did he come back the next year because of it? I'm pretty sure that was his last year. That was his last year. So he, I, I think he either went undrafted or was drafted very late um, and would have been drafted significantly earlier without that injury. He had to sit out, I think, his whole first year as a pro. His first contract was a lot smaller. He had to fight his way through the NFL system. He, he still, you know, he was around the league for a little while. Uh, but just didn't really pan out long-term. Um, and he said, going back, I would do it over again. Because what was important to me was to be playing in that game, to be playing with my teammates. But he also said he would never hold it against anybody who decided not to. Even, you know, because of what happened to him and because everybody values different things. And the interesting thing is here a lot of fans are making their opinions known. I haven't seen a single teammate getting mad at their teammate, right. at least publicly. Yeah. And of course it would be maybe hard to get that information out into the public. We don't know what happens behind closed doors, but I haven't seen a single player saying we felt betrayed or a coach saying we felt betrayed that our player did. They all just say, we wish the best for him. We love the guy. We're excited to see what he does at the next level and, and move on. And if those guys don't care, then who are we to say, because our team and the, you know, the team that we get a little bit of dopamine from every Saturday, a few times a year, we don't get that same amount of, you know, that same hit because our favorite player is not in there. Well, these guys put their, 
I don't want to say put their lives on the line, but put their livelihoods on the line next to these guys who are opting out and they respect their decision and appreciate it because realistically that shows the majority of people giving their opinions when put in the same shoes would probably make a very similar decision when millions of dollars are on the line. Yeah. I mean, Jake, but to go back to that example, his career earnings just over $2 million without that knee injury. He's probably looking at over $2 million in his first, in his rookie season. Right. So that, I mean, that's just kind of the sacrifice that you're willing to make. And again, like, obviously there's no guarantee that you're going to get hurt, but the thing is, is there's no guarantee that you're not going to get hurt either. And it's again, like you said, especially at the running back position where you're getting hit 20 times a game, any one of those could be the one. And you're just kind of, you're, you're skating on thin ice as a running back as, as far as the injury bug is concerned. Like all it takes is one tackle to, to end up, you know, the guy rolls around your ankle a little bit weird or, or he comes in a, a bit low and, and gets you right in that weird spot in your knee, whatever it might be, right? It's just one hit and that's it. It's a wrap, especially as somebody that like Kenneth Walker relies so much on his explosiveness. Like it, it's, it's a really difficult decision. Now I, I asked you the question about the position thing. Cause I, I was thinking about this too. Like I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, on this, this thought process with these guys. And I'm like, you know, again, it might be hypocritical and, and you can tell me if it is like my, my DMS are open. My replies are open on Twitter and, and Facebook and everything. Um, like if I'm an evaluator, right. If I'm a, if I'm an NFL scout, I see, I've seen everything I need to see from Kenneth Walker right? That evaluation, close the book. I've seen all the tape. I just need to get in, you know, face-to-face with the interview. I need to get some testing numbers to kind of wrap it and call it a day, second round pick, whatever it might be, right? With the quarterbacks, I I do feel like it is a little bit different. And again, like, I don't want, I don't mean this to be really critical, Kenny Pickett made his decision good for him. Right. And, and if he wants to take the risk or decide not to take the risk, it's, it's his decision and his decision alone. He's talked publicly about how his offensive coordinator was gone and his offensive coordinator was frankly half of the reason that he stayed at Pitt anyway. Um, so without him, you know, he was, he wasn't as comfortable sticking around and playing in this game, but I do think there is something to the quarterback being that leader of the team, the alpha, the the guy who really just loves football, first guy in, last guy out. And it is something, if I were an NFL scout, it would be a part of my evaluation that, hey, this guy decided to sit out on his bowl game. Now, how much do you weigh that? that's a, you know, that's a difficult conversation that I'm sure everybody has a very different answer for. But I do think that more than Kenneth Walker, that this is going to be on Kenny Pickett's kind of, uh, you know, on his scouting report of like this guy decided as the quarterback, as the leader of the team, not to finish out the season with them. And again, how much do you weigh that? I don't know. Maybe some scouts do look at it as a positive and say, Hey, this guy's got a good head on his shoulders. He, he made a really difficult decision because he knew that it was best for his career. And, uh, you know, it, it took a lot of balls for Kenny Pickett to stand up in front of his teammates and in front of his coaches and do that. Right. Like we, we say it in negatively about these guys in terms of like, Oh, he's a coward. He's not playing in this game. Like I kind of think about it in the opposite sense almost because like, you know how much courage it takes for him to go in front of his teammates who he has spent days after days after days after days with late nights in the film room, late nights on the, the practice field, early mornings in the weight room, like to go in front of those guys and be like, guys, you know, I, I have to make this decision. That's best for me. That's gotta be really tough for a young kid. So, you know, maybe you look at it as a positive from an NFL evaluation. Say, well, I don't know, man, 
it's it's a total weird thing that that hasn't really been explored until pretty recently like Christian McCaffrey was kind of the first big name to do this and really it wasn't until last year with Florida it was Florida against Oklahoma uh it might have even been the Peach Bowl or the Cotton Bowl I don't remember um that Florida had a bunch of guys sitting out and that was the first time I remember it really coming into the New Year six bowls because I think it's easy to set out the taxslayer.com bowl we start sitting out New Year's Six Bowls. I, I feel like that's a whole different thing because forever those those were sacred. And now it's entered the New Year's Six Bowl. And I think maybe that's where people start to have a little bit more of a problem with it. But I don't know, man. It's it's something I never thought I would see. If you asked me five years ago, even like in the playoff era, I never thought we would get to a day where where star players are sitting out New Year's Six Bowls. Because it is another performance that, you know, if you're looked at as a late first round pick, a great performance against another, you know, top 10 team that could vault you into early to mid first round pick, right? If you're a third round pick that could put you into the early second round, late first round, like it's another big game to have on your resume. So I never thought that we would see this day, but here we are. I I still don't know a hundred percent how I feel about it, but I do know. And I can say very honestly that I'm happy for these guys making that decision because I know how hard it is. And um, I I absolutely wish him the best of luck, especially Kenneth Walker, obviously. And he did more for us this year than than we ever needed him to do for us. So, you know, off to greener pastures. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting conversation, man. It's very nuanced either way. So one last uh, question for you, prompt. Uh, on this conversation. So I don't necessarily think this is a problem that needs fixing, um, but I've seen this floated around a little bit this week. Bowl games uh, make a lot of money, a lot of money uh, based on viewership, based on ticket sales, merchandise, everything else that goes into college football games. And they walk away with all that money, pay the players to play in the games um, their sponsors are making Chick-fil-A is going to make a whole lot of money slapping their name on this, on this college football game. Do you give Kenny Pickett? Do you give Kenneth Walker some Chick-fil-A cash, some nugget cash, uh, to, uh, to stick around and play in this game? I, so I, yeah, I've thought about that because people have explored it, especially with the NIL stuff, right? It'd be perfectly legal to make it as basically like Kenneth Walker's appearance fee for playing in the game. Right. It would be really easy to navigate that. Um, the question would be, I, and I would be a hundred percent supportive of that. Uh, if that's the question, like just basic yes or no, I would love to see that. The, the interesting part is how do you do that? Does, does Chick-fil-A basically pick just the star players and say, Hey, we're going to pay you guys to make sure you play. Do they pay everybody and just say like, you know, kind of like what uh, Matt Ishbia did and just say, Hey, like X amount of dollars for everybody on the team. Um, you know, let's say a thousand dollars for everybody on both teams, every scholarship player, every scholarship plus walk on whatever, or do they kind of hybrid it and say, all right, a thousand bucks for everybody. And 50,000 for these guys or what, you know, whatever it might be. I, I would love to see it for sure. Um, just because it, it gives them a little bit of, of kind of, it's, it's always a risk reward situation and, and you're willing to take the risk if you, if you get a little something on the back end. So why not? Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea. I think it's, it's, like you said, I, I, my understanding of NIL rules, I don't see why they couldn't do it. Uh, they're not, paying the schools and the, and then the schools paying the players, it would just be straight from the sponsors or whomever um, to, to give the players a cut. Um, I like and it. Give me like, if I'm that. Kenneth Walker, I'm asking for lifetime supply of Chick-fil-A for me and my family. Plus yeah. like 10 grand. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting concept. I don't know if it'll ever get any legs. I don't know how popular it would be or, or if it makes sense, but uh, but I've seen it thrown around a little bit. Um, 
yeah. So anyway, Kenneth Walker, Kenny Pickett not playing in the bowl game. Would, I think that now that I'm, you could keep talking. I'm going to look up the the New Year six. What would be the best? Like if if you could get the NIL deals as more of like a you know a lifetime supply of Chick Fil A or or whatever. Like what would be the best one? that you could get the NIL deal for Cause I I'm, I'm blanking on some of these sponsorships right now, just for new year's six. Right. Yeah. Is, there's got... too many of the other ones that don't really make as much money. So I don't think there would be as much money to toss around, but you've got all state. So free insurance for life. That's, uh, that's a bad. good deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, PlayStation, I guess you'd just get like, you'd get a PlayStation maybe. Yeah, I no, don't Yeah free games uh, Rose or Bowl something is I don't capital know one really do i don't that. know what capital one maybe like you know they're a bank they got endless amounts of money so um, <laughs> you could Verbo do something citrus there. bowl so like i don't know free vacations for life that could be cool i was gonna say I and then you've got um, the goodyear cotton bowl tires pass and then you've got yeah. the capital one orange bowl i don't know if they're just giving you extra credit card points or what but probably <laughs> Um, I'd probably take the insurance just because yeah, insurance is expensive. Yeah. That or this, uh, yeah, this Verbo. Yeah. You just get kind of like a, a, a yearly voucher every year for right one, a week long vacation every once a year. Or something. Right. You and know. your family. But, uh, yeah. So Kenneth Walker, Kenny Pickett, Kevin, in terms of whether it's in terms of what they mean for their team or just the, the, objective value of that player as a college football player who do you think lost more um with those two players sitting out michigan state or Pitt? i think it'd be easy to say the quarterback yeah but man kenneth walker has almost single-handedly changed this offense i i would still say the quarterback just because he's got the ball in his hands every play. And especially with that offense, they've been really predicated on passing the ball. So I do think that that Pitt is at more of a disadvantage without Pickett than we are without Walker. But, you know, for a, a position where we say quarterback's the most important position in football and running backs have been constantly like devalued and saying, ah, running backs don't really matter that much as long as you have a good line. Problem is we don't really have a good line. So Walker's been that much more important, but I would still say pick it just because of the positional value. Yeah. I mean, and, and you also have to look at who's replacing them, right? So you lose Kenneth Walker. He's like a 10 out of 10 college running back. You've got Jordan Simmons, Eli Collins, Harold Joyner. You take the, the group behind them. You're looking at aggregate, like a five or six out of 10 college running back. Um, Kenny Pickett, eight, nine out of 10 college quarterback, right? We've seen better, but certainly a, a good, great college quarterback. His replacement is Nick Patty, Nick Patty, <laughs> uh, who has thrown the ball 62 times in the last three years, his entire career. In the last two seasons, he's thrown it 19 times. Um, I've never heard of him. I don't think we're going to find much tape on him. He had a little bit of, I guess, meaningful time his freshman year. He played in four games. He threw three touchdowns. That was his last touchdown was his freshman year. Uh, his last passing touchdown, I should say. Um, it's hard to imagine a guy who's thrown the ball less than 20 times in the last two years stepping into Kenny Pickett's shoes and running the offense too, uh, close to the degree that they ran it this season. Um, without Kenneth Walker, we certainly lose an aspect of our offense, but on their good days, Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor, Trey Mosley, that group has, has looked really strong. So even if the running game takes a serious step back, we have something to fall back on. I'm not sure Pitt's offense really has that same threat um, when they lose Kenny Pickett. So absolutely. I'd rather be us than them in this scenario before the opt-outs. I was thinking this game was like 50-50. After the opt-outs, I think we have a pretty pretty good chance. I don't I haven't looked at the line lately, but I would I would take us as the favorite um after these opt-outs. Yeah, I mean to your point too. I mean their leading rusher on the year has 630 yards 
Like it, it's, it's a team that really has been living and dying by the passing game. So without your quarterback, you're going to need some guys to step up. Um, <laughs> you're going to need to find another quarterback who, like you said, has very little experience and Michigan state's looking to get a couple guys healthy in the defensive backfield. So let's take that Scott and, and we'll go to kind of transitioning into a, a similar topic here because, you know, Kenneth Walker's out. We know that for sure. And that not only means for this bowl game, but for next year. And we've kind of addressed that through the portal. We bring in Jalen Berger from Wisconsin, but we wanted to kind of chat about some key positions, some key players that whether it's, you know, for the bowl game or for next season, that very soon we're going to have to live without. And who are those guys that could step up behind them? So with Kenneth Walker, right, he's gone. And so we're going to have to find guys to, to keep this running game going. And we bring in Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. We have Jordan Simmons on the roster. We have Eli Collins on the roster. We have Harold Joyner. Um, we saw bits of, of him. So we, I think we can kind of agree. There's going to be more of a running back by committee there. We have with prim in there as well. Donovan Eaglin, um, you know, one of these guys could step up more than expected. Maybe Berger is a workhorse guy. Um, he certainly has that in his kind of range of outcomes, but looking at some of these other positions, man, we talk about the running back. How about the offensive line? AJR Curie, Luke Campbell, Matt Allen, Blake Boyder, uh, Matt Carrick, Kevin Jarvis, James Ohanba, gone. That's like we're talking of our our top two in in depth spots for each position, the starters and the number two behind them. We're probably losing about half of the offensive lines, you know, two deep. So who are we going to replace these guys with? And, and we've seen a lot of injuries over the years. We've seen a lot of turnover on the offensive line, but losing this many guys, man, it's, it's going to be tough to replace them. So when you're looking at next year, and again, these guys playing their last game, who are some of the offensive linemen that we have on the roster who you think could step up here and, and support whoever is this running back that, that ends up filling the gap. So my first thought when we look at the offensive line is, is Jarrett Horst going to be back? Uh, He battled some injuries this year and was on and off the field, but at, at his floor is a serviceable big 10 offensive tackle. His ceiling is much better than that. Um, He was an honorable mention all big 10 this year. By my calculation, he should have, because of that extra COVID year, he should have one more year of eligibility left um the way that i understand it so that's the first question i haven't seen many folks talking about the loss of jared horse and what that means or whether he could come back i just haven't seen his name come up much so that's my first question if he's there we're in a lot better shape um outside of him i expect nick samak and jd duplain to hold it down at center and guard respectively um as starters um Samak was on and off starting at center and Duplain I don't know if he started every game but he was a regular starter this season um outside of that that's where you really start to look at uh down the line a little bit so the other tackle if Horst is still around I expect to be Spencer Brown unless we bring in a transfer but as as it stands now I expect Spencer Brown to take over right tackle if Horst is gone and left tackle or if Horst is there and left tackle if Horst is gone the last spot, I have no idea. Um, it's likely going to be one of the guys who's been coming up through the pipeline for one or two years. You've got Dallas Fincher, who will be a redshirt store next year. I don't remember really seeing him on the field. Um, but he, back in the 2020 class, he was, I think, our third, our, yeah, our third recruit, Ricky White, Darius Snow, and then Dallas Fincher. He was a top 500 recruit. Um played guard but can play pretty much anywhere across the line so does he start to trickle in Jacob Asaya I think should be back he was a redshirt junior this year um it's pretty old to have not seen the field so I don't really know what his ceiling is but he's been around and he'll be 
one of the older guys. And then you've got younger guys like Ethan Boyd, um, like Gino Vandemark, who came in in the previous class. And Mel Tucker has been talking about the previous class and especially the offensive linemen and talking about how he's, he's been really impressed by the improvements they've made this season, which is encouraging, of course. But at the end of the day, we haven't really seen them with our own eyes at all. So we'll be keeping an eye out for them in the bowl game and the spring game. Um, but right now, beyond that, it's pretty much just a shot in the dark on which one your favorite youngster is. But I do expect to see at least one or two transfers coming in this offseason, depending on what Mel Tucker and his, his staff can find in the portal as this uh, offseason gets underway. It's kind of that forgotten position, right? We keep talking about we need corners, we need linebackers, we need edge rushers, which we'll talk about in a second. We haven't spent enough time on the offensive line. And I feel like that talk, you know, from the general MSU fan base is coming. But yeah, we were just kind of taking a glimpse at this before we started recording. And we're like, man, we are losing everybody. And so it's it's one of those things where we've kind of talked about with the offensive line before. Every year, it seems like we go into the year with a lot of experienced guys and a lot of starts between these players. And we typically look at that as a good thing. Maybe a fresh start is kind of what we need on the offensive line. Because again, Kenneth Walker was awesome this year and the run game was awesome, but it wasn't largely due to the offensive line. It was more in spite of the offensive line. So we're going to need a fresh start there. And and we're going to need a lot of bodies and a lot of guys to step up. And some of these guys have spent now a year or two under Chris Kapilovich and, and hopefully have started to kind of figure out this system and, and grow their bodies and, and get bigger, stronger, faster to, to be ready to play by next year. But man, that's, that's a position we're going to have to figure out edge rusher uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Drew Beasley gone. Jacob Panishuk gone. Drew Jordan gone. That's three of our top, four guys uh, in the rotation from this year, really you're left with Jeff Piotrowski as, as the only guy who's coming back, who has significant playing time, playing experience for Michigan state. Obviously we're bringing in uh, the transfer who was just announced last week. That was Chris Bogle out of the university of Florida, six foot four, 240 pounds. Um, he might have to start for us. Uh, I think he's, he's a good enough player that, you know, I, maybe that tone of yeah, he has to start for us isn't necessarily appropriate. I think he's a pretty good player, but he's not like a defensive Kenneth Walker. Who's going to come in here and, and be a bona fide stud at, at an edge rusher. I think he's a solid player, but you know, you're going to look for whether it's another transfer whether it's Michael Fletcher finally stepping up. I mean, it's, it sounds disingenuous because he's only a redshirt sophomore this year, but we were looking for that coming into this year. And man, it seems like we rotated a lot of guys on that defensive line to not see Michael Fletcher. And maybe there's a reason for that, but six foot six, 260 pounds. Like you're just kind of waiting for him to break out. Uh, and, it, and it hasn't really happened yet. Maybe this is the offense off season that something clicks and, and he makes a big impact, but Brandon, Wright, We saw very little of Brandon, Wright, And then you have a bunch of just total question marks, Zach Slade, who we really haven't seen at all. Avery Dunn. We haven't seen at all. Kate Rathbone. We haven't seen at all. And then the freshman coming in this year, you got Zion young out of Georgia. You've got chase Carter out of Minnesota and James Schott out of Indiana, three guys who who can play that defensive end position. But James Schott is 215 pounds right now. Uh, Chase Carter, he's long, he's athletic, but 225 pounds and, and is pretty lean. He's six foot six, 225 pounds. So he's going to have to put some weight on before I feel comfortable about him being a defensive end in the Big Ten where teams are going to be running at him. Uh, Zion Young is the one guy who would say is closest to having that kind of size, but you just don't feel comfortable with a freshman out there. So this edge position is is going to get really dicey coming into this offseason with arguably our top three guys all leaving due to graduation. So I, I want to know, Scott, your confidence level, like from zero to 10, 
on replacing these defensive ends. And keeping in mind, I think this is important context, that we are returning all of the interior defensive linemen. So Jacob Slade, Deshaun Mallory, Jalen Hunt, Simeon Barrow, these guys are all back, which I do think is important to note. You know, when you have good defensive tackles, it makes the defensive ends job easier in the pass and the run game. But zero to 10 confidence level going into the offseason with the defensive ends with those three guys gone. Uh, zero. <laughs> I, and that's not a knock on the guys that are coming in. It's just the only one we really know anything. Well, we know something about a couple guys. Jeff Petrovsky, who it would be hard to imagine he's not close to his ceiling um, just physically. I mean, mentally, technically, yes, he can, you can always improve in those areas. The dude's six foot one, like he's just not going to be a bona fide big 10 edge defender. Um, and maybe he could prove me wrong. That's just the way I see it. Michael Fletcher, again, like you said, physically seems like he's got the build you would want for the program building defensive end but he's been on he was on the field last year he was certainly got his chances on the field this year and just really hasn't made a splash um could he sure but does does it instill confidence in me to rely on those two no chris bogle he was a somewhat productive at florida he will make plays like you said he'll be a decent edge defender i've but... seen really quick on that i've seen people on twitter and facebook that are talking about Chris Bogle in a light that I'm not really ready to go to. I've seen this guy is going to be all big 10 performance. Like when Kenneth Walker transferred in, he was productive as all get out at wake forest in, in as a true freshman, as a true sophomore, he was averaging like seven yards a carry. He had like 20 some touchdowns. Like you could just look at the numbers and say like, damn, this kid was really productive. He's, he's going to come in Chris Bogle. And I'm not saying this in any way against him. I just want people to have proper expectations of the kid coming in 30 career games, seven career sacks, 10 tackles for loss. Like again, not a bad player by any stretch. I think he can come in and start and be good for us. But I, I do, I have seen some people out there who I think the expectation level is going to be a bit too high. So I just wanted to kind of set that before we even get to spring ball. I want to kind of set that expectations. Like, I think he is more, he's more Drew Beasley than he is Kenny Willekes, right? And so I, I, I like the player. I like the prospect, but I, I do think we need to set some expectations there. Yeah. I mean, this past season, he played in every game for Florida and he had one and a half sacks. So read into that however you want to he's just not going to come in and blow up big 10 offensive linemen with regularity unless he takes a serious step up and i'm not saying he can't he'll probably have a lot more snaps than he did at florida but there's a reason he's transferring because he wasn't as productive and he didn't get as much playing time as he'd hoped at florida and that doesn't instill confidence necessarily as he comes into michigan state it's a big if. I'm not right. saying it can't be a great player. It's just a really big if. It's potential versus expectations. The potential is certainly there. I just I don't want people to expect him to come in and have a nine sack season. Right. And then you look at you look at the freshmen. None of these defensive ends are enrolling early at a position like defensive end where you need to be ready to play physically. Uh, as a freshman, if you want to see the field, it's going to be really hard without that extra six months of conditioning and, and training to find the field early in the season um, and, and continue to play throughout the season. So not saying again that someone couldn't surprise us, but just if history is in a teacher for us here, I don't expect any of those three guys to be um, in the regular rotation. If I had to plant my flag in one of them, it'd be Chase Carter. I think he has the highest upside potential, at least earlier in his career, but it's just, you're relying on a youngster who got to campus two months ago to, to come in and start to be productive. You're asking a lot, especially in the big 10 trenches. So how about, I think we've talked enough about the, um, the safety spots with, with Xavier Henderson potentially leaving and what we're going to do there, because we spent a lot of time on that last week. So I want to hit one more because 
this is something that we haven't seen officially announced um, and we won't know for a while now, but I do think that there is a decent shot that Jaden Reed decides to leave after this year. And I, I don't really know. I, I think we want to know, we want to think we know that this is some puzzling logic here. We want to think we know what we have behind Jaden Reed, but I really don't think we do. I think people want to think that, you know, Trey Mosley is a bona fide starter. They want to think that Keon Coleman is the next big thing, but I, I don't think we've seen enough from the sample size there to be really confident in either of those. Again, we want to think that, and maybe you do think that, but I, I just, I'm curious there because if Jaden Reed goes, that is in a bona fide playmaker on and not only on the offensive side of the ball, but with special teams, he had two touchdowns this season. And, you know, obviously, you know, on the offensive side, while did he end up missing? I don't think he missed any games, right? He, I don't think so. Right. Cause, cause Jalen Naylor was out and he was, he was kind of uh, banged up a little bit, but decided to play through. I think he played every single game, but yeah, he did. So 946 yards receiving 34 yards, rushing nine touchdowns on offense to go with the two from special teams. Like that's a lot to replace. And again, whether you think it's Trey Mosley or Montori Foster or Keon Coleman, Ricky White's on his way out the door. Uh, Christopher Fitzpatrick, we saw glimpses of. And then you got all these guys coming in uh, as freshmen. Antonio Gates, Jaden Mangum looks like he's playing the defensive side of the ball. Dylan Tatum's playing the defensive side of the ball, but he would be a running back either way. Uh, You've got Tyrell Henry, Jerron Glover coming in. Um, I don't know. Like, again, I want to start there with like the scale of confidence from zero to 10. I would assume Jalen Naylor is coming back, but again, I don't want to discount how much we're losing with Jaden Reed in the offense. And again, we don't know if he's gone or not, but it's, it's just the sake of conversation. It's the middle of December and we still got over a week to go before the game's kicked off. So replacement replacing Jaden Reed confidence level zero out of 10, that we would be able to, to go into next year without skipping a beat. I'm going to say my confidence level is like a seven with the wide receivers. It's, it's pretty high. Um, I don't think we're going to find any one guy who's going to step in and give us exactly what Jaden Reed had. What I do think is going to happen is I think Jalen Naylor gets his opportunity to be the dude, to be the wide number one wide receiver. I don't think he's going to play the same role um, in terms of where he's lining up on the field, the kind of routes he's running, but I do think he's going to become a higher option in the plays that we're calling. We're going to try to get him the ball more. Uh, Trey Mosley, he seems like a steady guy. It's just, it's, I, I don't necessarily know how many more gears he has. I, I got to see it before I believe it. Um, he just seems like a steady two to four receptions a game. Um, good hands, good route runner, physical guy. Uh, I just don't know if he's that bona fide playmaker. But when you look at all these guys we've got coming in, Keon Coleman, we've seen some of, Terry Lockett's seen the field. Sebastian Brown's been around Christian Fitzpatrick seeing the field. Um, even guys like Ian Stewart, Montori Foster, obviously was playing quite a bit for Jalen Naylor. Um, we've got a lot of guys back there. I don't know who it'll be. I'm, but I'm confident in that group in that wide receiver core, we are going to be able to backfill the pipeline. So I think everyone just takes a, a step or two forward. And because of that, I think we're still going to have a strong wide receiver core I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be exactly what it is this year. Like you said, if Jaden Reed decides to leave, it's a lot to replace. But I think, like I said, I'm seven out of 10 confident. We'll be in good shape. We'll have an effective passing game next year. We'll have enough weapons to move the ball down the field through the air. Um, The special teams aspect is an interesting one too, but I think you mentioned a couple of those youngsters. I think you could see Jaden Mangum or Dylan Tatum returning kicks next year as well. I mean, I don't think we'll see him on the offense other than maybe a gadget package for a guy like Dylan Tatum, but I I do think we've got plenty of options in the return game. And we know that Mel Tucker will put his best players there. Um, So yeah, I think in terms of 
confidence, comfortability, I'm a lot more comfortable with these wide receivers than I am with, say, the offensive line or the defensive edge rushers. Yeah, and we did see in the bowl practice day one promo, Jalen Naylor out there without the cast. It looks like he was practicing. So I would expect that he's going to play and be full go, uh, which is good to see. We haven't seen him there in a while. So I'd love to see Jalen Naylor back out there. We won't see as much of the Montori Fosters or the Keon Coleman's of the world in the bowl game as we have the last few weeks, but um, it, it is very exciting to see uh, Jalen Naylor stepping back into that role. Yeah, it's it. I, I don't know. It's interesting, like because I think we're kind of overlooking sometimes how much Jaden Reed meant to the offense because of what Kenneth Walker did. Man, Jaden Reed had himself a year, and uh, whether he decides to come back or or go pro, I mean, he he's given Spartan fans quite the show uh, over the last two years, really, but especially this year. Um, I hope he does come back. I, I think he's going to have really good draft status either way. I think he could be one of those guys who's like a, a, a potential day two pick because of how much his game has really progressed over the last two seasons um, coming in as kind of a eh, just, just yards after catch guy the last year um, after coming in from, from Western Michigan to being more of a full, well-rounded player and, and going up and getting jump balls and running crisp routes. And, and he's really shown that whole package this year. So if he went, you know, hats off to him, he, he had a hell of a season. And, and if we're looking from like last year to this year improvement, he's right up there with anybody on the roster. Uh, 18 yards a catch. I, I mean, he had a great season. So uh, whatever he decides to do, I'll support uh, but I, I think that's all we want to get to here today. Like the tight ends, we've we've talked a bit about Malik Carr as somebody who could step up with with Connor Hayward likely heading out and uh, Trenton Gillison on his way out the door. I think we we kind of like what we have in the building there. We haven't really talked much this year because he hasn't really seen the field, but Cameron Allen was a prospect we both really liked uh, last year in in that freshman class. So He's somebody who's going to have an opportunity to fill a role there. And, and we've talked enough about the safeties as well. And we will continue to as we wait for Xavier Henderson's announcement of, of what he's going to do, because we all assumed he was leaving, but you know, he wasn't part of the senior day stuff and, and he hasn't really said anything one way or another. So we could see another year of Xavier Henderson, which would be really exciting. I would definitely not be against that. That would make him so let me pull this up really quick before we finish this because Xavier Henderson, he would be, he's oh, trying to find like his birthday. I'm trying to figure out how old he would be because I mean, the kids played basically every game for Michigan state since his freshman season in 2018. So he would be like a 22 year old with like 40 games of experience under his belt. I mean, when you're talking about a, a team leader from the defensive backfield, especially who can make calls, who can, you know, get, get them into the right positions, get them into the right defense. If they need to change a call or something, that's a dream for a defensive coordinator, for a head coach and for a fan. I think he's ready for the NFL. I, I mean, I think he's ready to take that step, but Man, I think I speak for a lot of people saying I'd love to have him back. Absolutely. I mean, anyone who's considering the NFL, I'd love to have him back selfishly. Um, but first and foremost, rooting for them to do what's right for them. Um, Kevin, last note here, fresh off the press news. We're going to do a live reaction here from you because I just found this out on Twitter uh, as you were ranting away. So I am West. Oh, God. That's We've so talked about I am West forever. They have finally approved planning for a new rec center about in East Lansing time, dude. on campus. So I am West will stay open while they're building the new one, but they're going to put a new gym rec center um, on Shaw Lane between Birch and Harrison. So basically right on the edge of campus, uh, just west of all the uh, West campus dorms. So maybe that was South campus. It's been so long. I don't remember what they call it anymore. Um it's finally here. It's finally happening. If you're a student and you're going to be around when this is open, just count your blessings because I am West was a dreadfully magical place. I was 
taken a deuce there one time and saw a cockroach running in between my legs. <laughs> I'm like, I am a student paying for this facility. I just, oh God, the IM facilities at Michigan State are a joke, an absolute joke. IM West is a dump. IM East is a dump that also can, you can, you can have probably in that like weight room, you can probably have what, like 25 people effectively work out there. Yep. For a school of like 50,000 students. It's so embarrassing. RIM facilities. Marshall, we, who we mentioned earlier, <clears throat> who is leading the bull pick right now, he went to Dayton and I visited Dayton as a potential place that I was thinking about going there. I am dude. They have like a full climbing wall. They got multiple like indoor outdoor swimming pools, a beautiful gym, like great equipment, huge, huge space. And it's free for students. And I look at Michigan state's facilities. I'm like, this is embarrassing. And, and you're making students pay for it. So it's about damn time that they did the right thing and, and gave the students a new IM facility. I lived across the street essentially from Oakland University in Rochester Hills. And same thing, I, I, my brother went to school there and my family, my dad actually, because the community can buy you know typical gym membership to college gyms often. So I had swim lessons there. I had rec basketball games there, all kinds of things. So I was always in and out of there. And I was like, wow, college gyms are really nice. This is sweet. I can't wait to be in college. <laughs> I get to MSU and they're like, you know, whatever it is, $300 for the semester or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but a few hundred dollars, you know, and I walk in and I'm like, I don't have room to like do a curl in here, or they have one set of dumbbells from five to a hundred for mm-hmm all of East campus. Cause I was in Holmes. So I was at IM East for like 10,000 kids. <laughs> yeah. There's no pools over there. There's like two basketball courts total in that gym. And they've got that crappy upstairs track. Yeah. And, and it's like, what am I, but you don't have any options. And I ended up going to powerhouse once I lived off campus again. Right. But even that powerhouse now, but... wasn't great. <laughs> no. Just... And it was always super busy and yep. smelly. And yeah, it's, it's about time. It better be huge. It better, uh, still a terrible location though it's going to be on harrison so basically if you don't live in brody or south like it's it's going to be inaccessibly far away um anyway i mean that's we can rant i mean all day part of that it, is but... just the nature of the beast of east lansing but sure. yeah either way it, no it's it's about damn time and like you said they better actually do this thing right because if if they roll out just another crappy facility you're going to have riots, man. I will, I will fly back to East Lansing to join the riot. If they make another like small dumpy facility. It's interesting looking, thinking back on my original campus tour, when I was deciding where to go to school, I, for whatever reason, I can't remember them taking me through any of the gyms. (laughs) It's a wonder why. No, well, thank God. That's Hopefully just, they'll make that's it That's just free. marketing right there. They're like, do whatever you do, do not take them there. <laughs> the Tell things, them we have an IM facility, but do not show them. <laughs> the two things that, that they should do, priority number one, well, three things. Build new gyms. That's the first one. Make them free. That's the second one. And free bus passes. I mean, yeah. it, especially or free on-campus parking, just a free way to get to class other than your legs, you've got like the world's largest college campus and you can't get to the campus other than walking. Um, and I have the year it's when I'm president, when I'm negative 10 and windy. Anyway, now we're just ranting. If you've made it this far, thank you. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to look at the graph on our podcast software and it's just going to tank in the last 10 minutes, but thank you for sticking around. If you have thoughts on the facilities or whatever else, we're happy to read them off on the next episode. Yeah, no, we appreciate all of you for listening. I, I mean, our, our numbers kind of have remained steady after the regular season has ended. So you guys are, are still listening with us. So we, we really appreciate that. Every now and then I'll get a random DM from somebody I don't know that's telling me they like the show. So we're doing something right, Scott. I don't, I don't know what it is yet that we are doing right, but we're doing something right. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys 
check out the Facebook group. We're going to, like I said, especially in the off season, we're going to do a lot more interactive stuff with that as the episodes get more kind of free form. And, and there's not really a whole lot of structure through the off season. Obviously we're going to get more creative with the episodes. So we're going to incorporate you guys a lot more with that. So check out the Facebook group. The link is in the page. It's the standing room Spartans community. Follow us on Twitter. Those links are in the bio as well. And uh, yeah, have yourselves a good start to the week here. Next week, we will be previewing the bowl game here, the Peach Bowl against Pitt, which kicks off late next week. I think Thursday uh, off the top of my head. I don't remember which day of the week the 30th is. Yeah, Thursday. So we'll we'll get to that next Monday as we we're kind of finalized in knowing more about which guys should be healthy and playing or not playing. Um, we'll get to all of that. And we will have an episode this week uh, on Wednesday, which we don't know what it is yet. If we're being completely honest, peek behind the curtain. Again, you guys are the best. We really appreciate you. Have a good start to the week. We'll see you guys again soon. Until then, go green. Go white. Take care, folks.